Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Mindful Self-Care Podcast. I am your host, Chelsea, and today I have a very special interview for you all. I am speaking with Mandy Thomas. Mandy is a financial coach for millennial women who earn a good living but feel they don't have much to show for it. Through her business, Intentionally Wealthy Coaching, Mandy has helped over 230 individuals and couples gain clarity on their finances, make progress towards their goals and feel financially safe and secure without sacrificing the good things in life, which for most people ends up being travel. She's basically a personal trainer for your finances. Her mission is to empower women income earners to improve their finances so they have more options and freedoms in their lives. Mandy herself has saved and invested over $250,000 by the age of 26, and she shares much of her wisdom on how she helps women just like you get even better money results on her podcast, Intentionally Wealthy, and on Instagram at Intentionally Wealthy. Co. And of course, those will be linked in the show notes. I loved this conversation with Mandy. And you might be asking yourself, Chelsea, what does finance have to do with self-care? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. A lot of the stress that we tend to carry in our society nowadays comes down to a lot of financial stuff and financial issues. And I know In my personal experience, Mandy has been incredibly helpful. She has tons of tangible tips and actionable things that you can go do that really do make a difference with your finances and therefore your stress levels and allow you to have funds that you would like to be able to spend on things that you want, all right? She is amazing. I would not bring somebody on the podcast that I didn't think had a ton of value. And we have an awesome conversation about how finances relate to self-care and how Mandy practices self-care in in other ways as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode and make sure that you go follow Mandy on Instagram and listen to her podcast because she has such valuable information there. But if you, if you want to listen to the conversation first, that that's fine, but I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Self-Care podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) This is going to be great. I've been following you for a really long time. I've been interviewed for another podcast. The information that you share is information I use myself. I have a sinking fund because of you. And I actually just happened to mention that to my husband. We were talking about finances right before this interview started. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go interview. And I was like, by the way, Mandy is the reason why I have a sinking fund account. It's because of her and it's incredibly helpful. And so I can't wait to talk about finances, health, and all that relating to self-care. Oh, well, that just makes me so happy to hear that you have it. Cause a lot of times people will, like, I talk about them all the time and people are like, Oh, mm-hmm. it sounds great, but find that it's just hard to make it actually happen. So I mm-hmm. love hearing that you've actually implemented that. That just makes me thrilled. Yes. It's life-changing. And for anyone listening, going, what the hell is a sinking fund? Don't worry. I'm sure we will get there. We will get there. Go follow Mandy on Instagram. Go listen to her podcast. She's got some amazing content. But before we get too far into me rambling on about things that are amazing about you, will you tell our lovely listeners, Mandy, a little bit about who you are and what self-care means to you? 
Yes. So I'm Mandy Thomas and I am a really like a holistic financial coach. A lot of my clients will call me a holistic financial life coach because money just dives into every aspect of your life. It, It is not just solely about money. And the reason I do what I do is because I grew up with a lot of financial scarcity. And then in my early twenties, I started working as a power engineer, which is a really great career. And I loved it. I was managing my money well, but it was just this constant fear of like losing it all and going back to like, are we going to have food? And like, really just like not knowing if your basic needs are going to be met. But because I was doing really well financially, I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone. I didn't have credit card debt. And this was also back before it was more people were more open to talk about their struggles. Like no one was sharing any of this on Instagram. So I ended up getting incredibly sick in my mid twenties. And I kept thinking it was this external thing and it was just really major chronic illness. And the biggest thing that it came back to was just that huge stress component of all of that, that I had not processed all of that scarcity. And it was literally killing me. And through my journey going, wow, okay, well, I was managing it. Well, I didn't have any debt. I had over six figures in the bank And I still got this sick. And that's the reason that I do what I do is really to come at it from like that holistic standpoint of holy cow, can every other area of your life change? So that's the reason I I do what I do. And for me, self-care really is, and I think about it differently than what I previously used to. I really think of like true self-care for me is doing the scary or uncomfortable things now. So my life down the road, my future life, is going to feel safer, more peaceful, more secure. And so for some people, that's taking care of their finances. You know, it's an uncomfortable Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Also for me, it was having conversations I was scared to have because I was a people pleaser and I didn't have any boundaries. And so to me, really that self-care is is showing up for myself and really seeing like, what can I do to set like all of my future days up for more success and doing those things and really truly seeing it as self-care. Like I think that's some of the best stuff to, to regulate my nervous system. The definition I kind of use within this podcast of self-care is anything that gives you energy and, um, or the opposite of minimizing things that take energy away from you. And I know like when I was first out of college and I, um, was trying to figure out my, work schedule as a personal trainer and a Pilates instructor who was trying to bring in a full-time income while also not trying to work 50 million hours a week. I, there, there was a lot of stress around finances because it was the first time that I was like, Oh yeah, like I'm responsible to pay for these bills and, and make sure that I have food. Uh, and, and I wasn't necessarily guaranteed a stipend from like my grad school job or have like student loan stuff to fall back on or my parents to fall back on quite as much. And I know like that was a big stressor for me, like figuring kind of all of that out. Cause we're not really taught it. I'm um, like, my parents did a good job of doing the, like save everything, like save some of what you make, like always be saving. Don't spend outside of your means. But besides that, I feel like I didn't have a good grip on the day to day. And it was really stressful because I'd be sitting there. And especially as like, I started to make more money, I would be like, where did it go? Where, where is it? What's happening with it? And I know when I stumbled upon, I don't even remember how I found you, but I did. And I was like, this is great information. And I know the way you would kind of walk through looking at what your budget planning for the future, I started putting those like simple things into effect and it made a huge difference. And then all of a sudden when I would have like my car insurance insurance payment, we do, I wasn't scrambling to be like, I have to come up with $600 that I'm not used to having to come up with this month. Where is that going to come from? Oh, I always have to be going to my savings account. And it did, it does make a huge difference of knowing that you have the finances to 
make sure that you have a safe place to live. You have food on the table. You're not worrying about where the money for that next bill is going to be coming from. I mean, like that's a huge part of self-care. And as you mentioned, it's not always comfortable knowing that some of our listeners are probably going, yes, I don't like looking at my money. And there's a lot of like money mindset work that I know that I've done that can be very, very helpful to kind of get past that. But if someone's like, I don't, I don't know how to start with my finances. It's a mess. It's a stressor. I don't know where to start. Where do you recommend people get their financial journey started? Yeah. So I'm going to give a very different answer than I would have six years ago when I very first started and hadn't worked with hundreds of people to really Mm -hmm. see patterns. And what I would say now is I'm actually not going to right off the bat, give a, a tangible thing. And that's totally what I would have. But the first thing that I want you to do is to recognize like, what is your typical behavior around money? The vast majority of people, it's money avoidance. So if that's the case, it doesn't matter if I give you a list of like, ooh, do these awesome tangible things like opening up your your savings buckets and have a travel fund and have a gifts fund. That sounds amazing. But really the first thing is, is understanding that what you really need to do is start to build that financial intimacy. And what I mean by that is, is spending time actually looking at your money and really truly considering money as a relationship. And I love comparing it to an actual relationship with a partner where if you were to feel like really, really scarce and you didn't, you only showed up when you needed something like that relationship is totally not going to flourish. It's actually like just think about like, you know, when mm-hmm. when you may maybe if you're someone who's been in a relationship for a while, if um go back to when you were dating, like, just think if someone didn't get back to you after you had a date and you actually really liked them and they were just completely ghosting you, like how toxic would that feel? It's the same thing that you're doing with your money. You're engaging with money in a, in really toxic behaviors. So I just want you to become aware of that to see, okay, that's actually my biggest block. I have to work through. It's not necessarily knowing all of those other things to do yet. Cause as soon as you hear the other things, it's not just like magic that all of a sudden you start doing them for some people. Yes. But for people who have an avoidant behavior, it's understanding that it just, it feels really uncomfortable and it's okay to say that and to own it. And then the next thing is like, okay, so now let's start having you just look at your bank account be in there more often looking at the dates, but knowing that it's going to feel uncomfortable when you do that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. And allowing, figuring out how can you keep doing this consistently while it's uncomfortable and keep showing up for yourself. So that's where I will tell clients, like, I am just a huge fan of tapping emotional Mm -hmm. freedom technique. And what I will have my clients do is before they dive into it, I will have them basically, I want you to brain dump all of your fears and worries and what is going on in your head, like that mind drama, all the stories you're telling yourself. And I love for them to tap and get it all out. Because when you do, you feel like, very heard and very seen. And then your brain and your nervous system can calm down enough. Cause this is the other thing. When your nervous system is feeling super triggered, you are in fight or flight, that survival mode, really the logical side of your brain is shutting down. So it doesn't matter if you know what to do, you're not going to be doing it. So I love clients like getting it off your chest. Like this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to be here. I don't want to open my bank account. I don't want to look at the numbers. I don't want to, because a lot of people will say they want financial clarity. And that's the first thing I help them with. But once they get it, I'll be really honest. It can cause anxiety Mm -hmm. and know that that's normal. And that's not a bad thing because at first it's usually like, okay, so those are the numbers. That's what I've been spending. That's where I'm at. It very well Because if you've been ignoring this for decades, you've been avoiding it, 
it might not be comfortable to look at it. And knowing that that is a starting place is absolutely more than okay. So that's where I love tapping, get everything out and then say how you want to feel. You know, I just want to be proud of myself that I even opened this spreadsheet. I opened my bank account that I looked in here for five days that I, that I track things. I want you to start celebrating the most smallest of behaviors, not only when you get a credit card paid off or a thousand dollars in an emergency fund, there's so many things that happen before then. So this is really, really what it comes down to is just understanding if that's the behavior you have and allowing yourself to work through it. Another thing is, so anything that can help to change your state, I love clients also, you know, smelling essential oils before, because that can like really, that was something that was huge actually in my journey when I was going through my binge eating. So that was one of the things where I would be having a good day. And then typically I would think about money and then I would go down this huge rabbit hole of like, I'm going to lose my job, we'll lose our house. I'm not going to have anything to eat. And then I would just like, just, it would be a huge anxiety. And for me, I turned to eating, mm-hmm. not good food, not anything nutritious. And then I would feel shameful and all these things would happen. So I needed to allow myself to sit in that discomfort longer And then, so sometimes I would go for a walk. I would tell myself, you know what, if you go for a walk right now and in 15 minutes, if you still want to eat whatever that is, you can, that's what I would tell myself. And then once I would start to go for a walk and I could just like kind of have my nervous system come down, I'm like, okay, you know what? You're safe. That's another thing I really like clients to tap on is like, you're safe. You're safe to see the numbers and everything like that can really just make it. So you feel more comfortable through the discomfort because no one is going to wake up one day and feel like it's comfortable and that that's going to last that. So that's also the other thing is changing our expectations. And we really need to think of it this way. I think when people go to the gym, they have a better understanding that if they do one workout or if they do one workout a week, they're not going to get a six pack and just going to the gym and not changing their diet. Like, so we really need to take those analogies that most people really understand about health and really apply them to our money. This is going to take time. It's like, we don't have, you don't have that muscle memory yet built up. So that's what you're building up by looking at it. And it's going to be uncomfortable and really just allowing yourself to be a beginner because I think so many people really just think that they should know this, but you weren't taught it in school. You didn't learn it from your parents. So allowing yourself to just take things slower, I think is by far the most important thing to really have that context, work through the discomfort so you can even be consistent with doing things A. You probably already know that you need to do some of those things. So really like sitting with that and taking that in. That's an awesome answer. And as you were were sharing all of that, one of the things that came up for me was how much self-worth we tend as a society to have attached to the money that we make and the money that we have in our bank account and the money that we have the ability to spend. And again, with with self-care, like we want we want to feel good. We want to have positive self-talk. And if you're connecting your self-worth to a dollar amount, that's going to be challenging. I mean, because that's how do you equate what you are worth as an individual in a monetary way? You can't, that's not something that we can do. And so if you're like, Oh, I just have to make more money. I have to make more money. I have to make more money. I just, I just need more money. That's probably actually not going to solve your problems. And and it makes me think of those, those people who win the lottery. And then like six months later, they have nothing when most people are like, yeah, if I was handed like multiple hundreds of thousands or multiple millions of dollars, like I'd be set for life, but you have to be 
smart about what you're doing with it. And the first thing that that is, is you can't make smart decisions. You can't make intelligent decisions if your nervous system is all over the place. And the mind talk, the self-talk that you have about that is not in a grounded, centered place. Absolutely. And it's, there is a statistic, the goals of the lottery winners, and it's 70% of them go bankrupt in less than five years. So let's actually like, let's really dive into that for a second. 70% of the population doesn't go bankrupt in five years, Mm -hmm. meaning people who did not win that amount of money. So that's one of the things I see very often is when people receive a large sum of money. So money is like one of the most emotional, it's, it's very emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. One of the most emotional things in our life. And then you get a big sum of money that is, and when I say big sum, I don't just mean like winning the lottery. I mean like an inheritance, a bonus, a big tax refund, like things that more normal people would would get. Things are more common. Yeah. And people are extremely emotional with that money. And people come to me so often and say like, I received this money in the past and I thought it was going to be every, it would change everything. And it didn't. And I don't know where any of it went. So it's where it's really, it's a twofold situation. The regulated nervous system, which is so underrated. Everyone thinks they just need to know what to do with it because they weren't taught the money skills. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yes. But it does. I, I work with people who are also financial people and I coach them on their personal finances, accountants, financial advisors, planners, bookkeepers. Some of those people have way more letters behind their name and they can help other people with their money. But when it comes to their own money, it can be so emotional. So that's mm-hmm. where just being savvy or being skilled or smart isn't what will solve everything. And so that's where just understanding the nervous system connection. And when you were talking about self-worth, that is a huge piece because it honestly, I see people who make all different amounts of money and they will still have those same inner child wounds Mm -hmm. as anyone else. And it does not matter what's sitting in your bank account. It might improve over time where it's not as much that feeling of scarcity sometimes, but there will still be those inner wounds if those haven't been worked on. So that's something where even uh, a couple of conversations lately were helping people to increase their income, but they didn't feel worthy of it. So it was really, it was, we didn't need to focus on like, how can they do that? Where should they look? How would they revamp their resume? It's on why do you feel like you don't feel worthy or deserving to earn that much? So it's kind of like really understanding what truly are your blocks and getting at those first. And then you can add the tangible and the strategy later, but really seeing like, so really consider like an iceberg, like really think about the Titanic. They seen what was above the ground and it it didn't look that, that big. And then Mm -hmm. what was, what was underneath was way more massive. And so that's really what I consider is like what the iceberg that you see, the tip of it, the top sticking up above the water. That is like the financial skills and the knowledge and the systems which do not get me wrong. I absolutely love teaching people that, but then there's still that component underneath that really needs to be worked on too. And that's where that really ties in like how much money you can make, uh, how you do spend your money, how you feel about debt. It, Cause that's when you were talking about, you know, monetary value, I will see a lot of people that their self-esteem is hugely affected because of their credit score mm-hmm. and how they have their perception and view of the world because of that. So really seeing like what different parts of your money, how do you feel? And then starting to work on those internal wounds and then everything else will change. And I know that might sound woo woo, but really just seeing like your nervous system has a a way bigger connection than most people really truly understand of how that affects your entire financial situation and life. 
Yeah, I know. I was having a conversation with, um, she's a, a life coach friend of mine and she did another episode on the podcast and she was sharing about if like, there's so many instances in life where like, I think we were talking about like working out or eating healthy, that if you, you, you know, the steps, most people know what to do when it comes to eating healthy, exercising, or the generals of what to do with your finances. We, we all kind of know like, yeah, you should save some money. You should minimize your debt, pay off stuff, not spend above your means. But if you're not going to take care of your nervous system, it if you're in that that um, dysregulated fight or flight mode, you can't access the parts of your brain that can actually help you do that. And so I I, I just found this really really interesting because I kind of view of like yeah self care is what you do so that you can show up as the best version of yourself. And so in, the, in this financial framework, it's you take care of yourself. You you look at those those past traumas your mindset, you're looking at that inner child work and you're putting in that effort so that not only do you have the capability to start looking at where your money is going and what the numbers actually are so you then can make decisions off of that, but you're, you're doing that so that you, just, you can move forward and it, it bleeds into all other areas of your life as you kind of mentioned at the beginning. And I just think that it's, it's like, oh, we need more money so we can practice self-care because people are like, oh yeah, well, I would love to hire a cleaning lady or, or a nanny or a, or a cook or, or go out and do massages or go on vacation, but I just can't afford it. Like, I feel like that, that comes up a lot of not being able to afford something, but I think it's interesting of like, okay, well, if I had more money, I could practice self-care more, but I feel like on the other side, it's if you practice the what's often uncomfortable self-care. We don't always think about inner child work or trauma therapy as being self-care. I think it's self-care. I think it's the, one of the most important parts about self-care, but that allows you to make more money and then be able to, or, and, and know where your finances are. So that way you can make more educated decisions and aware decisions on how you are going to spend your money to be able to prioritize what, what you do want to be able to spend. Absolutely. And I think this is a really good for people to think about when people think about self-care, it doesn't need to cost you a penny. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times because we're, we're busy and people struggle with time management, that sometimes people will think that some of the self-care things that are really going to make a difference for them are basically, it's something that they've either bought. Cause that also like, there's that, that dopamine hit when you buy mm -hmm. something and people feel like, you know, especially if you're going through a rough time or, you know, these past three years have been extremely, they've been extremely difficult for, for everyone. And so, you know, trying to feel some more of those feelings inside that they want to, whether it's happiness or calmness or whatever that is. So sometimes we'll think we buy this, then that's going to make me feel better. Or if we pay someone to do this, let's say it's a, it's a, it's a personal care. It's a, a personal grooming service, but not really realizing that there's certain things that we can do for ourselves on a really consistent basis that do not cost anything can be some of the best self-care Mm -hmm. in the entire world, like tapping, it doesn't cost you anything. You can go, you can go on YouTube. You can see if you don't, if, if you've never done it before, you can see what that looks like. Um, but there's so many things there, but we just almost disregard sometimes things that are free that we'd have to do consistently versus something that like either we book in like, a, you know, getting our hair done or our nails done or lashes and someone, and, and someone, I also think it's because we feel like someone else is taking care of us. And that yeah. is, it is a nice feeling. But also just realizing there's certain things that we can take care of for ourselves, and how massively that would that would completely change our world. One other thing I just want to mention that um, tying into something else that you had said that it made me think of was when we're talking about certain things that you already know that you need to do, like, you know, 
when it comes to your health, working out, um, you know, consistently eating good, going to bed, getting good sleep. Like those are things people know they need to do. And let's talk about like why people can know what they need to do, but why they aren't doing it. And really that comes down to, so that's not a, a lack of skills. It's not a lack of knowledge. What that is, is it's really like those emotional wounds coming up that are causing us to self-sabotage and are putting our patterns on repeat. And just understanding, I think a big part that that also comes from is because whatever struggles we're facing right now, they might suck. They might not feel good. They might cause us anxiety and steal our energy, but they are familiar. Our nervous system is familiar with them. We, we know the outcome. We know the consequences. We know the pain and we're familiar with it. And even though if, so if we do something else and we know that we can probably get a better result, but we don't we haven't experienced that before. Our nervous system isn't familiar with it. We're not familiar with it. And just understanding how that can be something that causes us to self-sabotage. So really just noticing that even though like, so being broke sucks, nobody likes that, but it's, it's familiar. You know what that's like and that you don't know what it's like to have all this money in your bank account. And so people can already have fears. Like it is very real to have fears of success and just seeing how those types of things can cause us to self-sabotage. So that's going back to, again, like us needing to really do that work on our self-worth, that we are worthy, that we are deserving and we're deserving of change to live something different. So that's really telling yourself like, it's going to be scary no matter what. It's going to be scary doing those things. So really just having some sort of like modality or different things that you can do to help you feel safe as you're doing something completely new and something different that's going to feel uncomfortable for a period of time until that becomes a habit for you. But we have to, we have to allow ourselves enough time for it to even become a habit. And just like recognizing that I think can make such a massive difference, understanding why it is that we self-sabotage. It's not, it's not skills. It's not lack of knowledge, really seeing that it's like, we understand what's going on now and it's comfortable even if it's uncomfortable, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of like, I always go back to your brain's number one job above all else. Your nervous system's job is to keep you safe and to keep you alive. And of course we live in a time where we're like, probably not going to be eaten by a saber tooth tiger, but the fears end up being more kind of that unknown of, yes, you know what it feels like to be broke and to be always worrying about money or where the next check is going to come from. How are you going to pay that next bill? That is familiar. Having the financial security of, you know, whatever bill passes your door, like you're going to be able to pay, you know how to deal with it. You know how to handle it. You feel comfortable with that level of success, that level of financial security. Like, I think that's really interesting that, yeah, as humans, we, we go to where it feels familiar, where it feels quote unquote safe, even though I'm sure a lot of people would be like, yeah, I would feel a hell of a lot more safe to have a lot of money than to be broke. But if you're, if your brain is going to, I know how to handle this. That's, I think, really, really interesting, uh, a way to be able to, to think about, to think about that. And I know, Visualization is a process I really like to use when it comes to trying to be like, okay, what would something different look like? I really like to daydream um, and just kind of to either visualize just in a meditating way or a journaling way. Are there other ways that you would recommend to help people kind of get in the headspace of what the future could be and start tackling that level of 
feeling uncomfortable before it actually gets there. So that as you're making your way there, you're less likely to self-sabotage because your brain's like, oh, okay, we're still, we're still in a good safe space. We're fine. We're going to keep checking forward. Absolutely. So there's right before I tell you that there's one thing Mm -hmm. I just wanted to just, um, kind of piggyback on what you had said when you're talking about your brain's number one thing is survival. Mm -hmm. So really just comparing. So our, our brain is wired for survival, not for thriving, Mm -hmm. which is what we all want to be financially. So really just seeing that your body's always going to try and keep you like your brain at that survival standpoint, which means like barely making ends meet. So just, just, really wanting people to deeply understand, like we do have to overcome what it is that our brain is naturally trying to do for us because Mm -hmm. we've just evolved so much as, as a society. Now, as for really projecting out and, and allowing yourself to start seeing what that future looks like. And so I love you visualizing the two that I would really go with the most, I would say journaling first, because I feel like Mm -hmm. it's something that it's more accessible for people. And what I want people, what I want, so let's say, the, the person who's listening isn't a journaler. I wasn't both like my sister growing up was always journaling and writing in her diary. And that wasn't me. It wasn't until I had my bad money anxiety and my health went down and I was working with the coach and she's like, I need you just to journal and just start. So mm-hmm. I just had so much in my head. And really what I want to tell someone if they're not a journaler is it doesn't matter what your writing looks like. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what to write, just start. And also don't try and um, edit things in your head before you put it on. Just like literally just start writing and let whatever comes out, come out. So start writing down, like, what would you even like it to look like? So, you know, I would like to have, you know, let, let's say like a $2,000 buffer in my counter, a thousand dollar buffer to know like at, and that buffer at the end of my pay period. So ever you've spent all the money you need to, and it's basically mm-hmm. the lowest possible point. You want to have that in there. That feels safe to you. You want, you know, credit cards paid off. You want to feel really organized, like write down and what, and how the other thing is, how do you want to feel? Oh, I, I want to feel calm. I want to feel like, you know, if something costs more than what I thought it would have, like it doesn't cause any mind drama. Like it's totally fine. It doesn't take any time out of my day. So really write down how it is that you want that to look so you can, cause that's one of the biggest things is your life is not magically going to come together. Um, and just be this beautiful thing without you being really intentional about it. Like everything that's happened in my life that I'm really proud about or excited about or happy about, it didn't just show up one day and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. It was something that I was really intentional about and thought about and journaled on and really just like brought it into existence. The other thing that I really like doing is when I go on walks, really not listening to my music, not listening to a podcast, not trying to multitask or be productive, Mm -hmm. but really being present. And I swear that is when my best ideas come to me and my clarity. So there can be where I'm kind of struggling with a certain area of life. And I'm like, Oh, I just, and if I go for a walk, that is like, I swear some of the best times for me to get. And that's the biggest thing is people just need to get more clarity of what that looks like and mm-hmm. they need space. So that's the other thing is most people don't have, they, they don't allow themselves to have space in their life to actually think. I think that this is very underrated. I'm also calling myself out because in my early and mid twenties, there was no space. I ran full tilt all of the time. And I also was doing mm-hmm. that because I was scared to have space because that's when I had my really bad anxiety that I needed to work through. And so I would just, there was no thinking time at all. Now that's something that's really important to me because that's where the clarity will come and everything will come together. So really allowing yourself, you need to take some space. 
if there's no space, there is no way that you can craft this out. You can't get that clarity. And that's one of the biggest things that people come to me for. They don't have that. So the first thing is just like figure out if you, if you want to start writing, do that or go for a walk. You can write in your notes app as little pieces are coming up for you. But I really think that those are honestly the, the two best things. And then the more that maybe you start doing one, let's say maybe you're not much of a visualizer. Maybe if you start doing one of these, you might all of a sudden those pictures will start coming to you for what that future looks like for you. So I, I would love you to do it like as a two part, one being like what you tangibly want to happen and how you want your life to look but also hugely, how do you want to feel? Yeah. I think that's some really great advice. It's, we do tend to be kind of just go, 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 go. And I, I do think, and I'm guilty of this too. That was something that in my early twenties and mid twenties, I, I did a bunch of as well as I was busy because when I finally didn't have something to do, you end up kind of being confronted with, okay, who actually am I? Like, what are those thoughts coming up? That anxiety, and it's not, it's not comfortable stuff. And it, it does take time to be able to work through that. And I know I wasn't a journaler myself when I was growing up. Um, I think I maybe had a few like diaries that I was like, dear diary, here's what my day was. But it wasn't until um, a few years ago that I was like, yeah, I'm going to start, I'm going to start this. And I think it was because of a kind of a coach or some, some mindset thing I'd seen on Instagram. But I was like, yeah, okay, I'll give this a try. And it's become a tool that I really love. Um, sometimes it's kind of surprising is like you start putting things to paper, what ends up coming up where you're just like, Oh wow. I didn't realize this thing was bothering me as much as it actually is. Let's start to work through that. Um, and just being able to take time to not constantly be thinking. Uh, I, I like listening to podcasts and music or audiobooks while I'm like cooking or cleaning, but there are times where I'm like, I don't really feel like listening to anything. I just want to be in my thoughts. And I think the more you can become comfortable with that, and there's a big difference between feeling like you need to listen to something while you're going for a walk or doing something else, because like you just, you need, like there's like, it's kind of like this, this anxiety thing is is driving it of, of you just, there's just that you have to have it or it's going to be a big deal. Like you just, it can't be silent. It can't be, it just, that's not going to work. And there's kind of this, that, that crazy energy behind, behind that need that to me ends up being kind of a red flag of like, yeah, it's, if you are choosing to listen to something because you honestly want to, that's very different than being in that space of, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. I love that you say this because I'm the, I'm the type of person who loves reading books and Mm -hmm. Self-development feels really good. But you know what? I also see where that can get to a point where you're consuming so much, but how much are you implementing and also resting? So it was March of 2020. And I believe it was like just before the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. but I started to feel again, not fantastic. Like my body started to feel really, really tired. And so this was, this was before the whole world started to to go before everything went to crap. (laughs) Yeah, And, And I asked myself like, okay, what do I actually think is happening here? And I realized honest to God, what it was, I was reading so many books, listening to so many podcasts. And then that gives me a whole bunch of ideas. And by ideas, I mean like my to-do list grows exponentially and it felt exhausting. And it, I'm, it's crazy how scary this felt to me. I deleted the podcast app off my phone and I deleted off my, um, my, my book app. And I just, and I, what I decided to do was instead of going from reading like 35 books a year, I literally cut it down. And I was like, I only, I want to read less than 12. 
because I want to spend more time on implementing the things that I'm learning. So I truly like those areas of my life that I really want to grow. I actually have time to do the things that I'm hearing that all the books Mm -hmm. and everyone's telling me to do. And then I also have time to rest and not feel like every second of my day has to be productive. And honestly, that was probably about a year and a half that I like really didn't, I was extremely careful and choosy about the information I took in. And honestly, that was one of the best things for my health. So I'm not telling you don't, don't take in any self-development, just be extremely choosy Mm -hmm. about it, but then also make sure that you are taking action. So there's, I want you to think about like, what is one thing from this podcast that you've heard today that you're like, okay, that's a gold nugget, but I want you to actually apply it. I don't want this to just feel Mm -hmm. inspirational for you. And really just understanding the difference between active versus passive learning. And that passive is, you know, like reading a book, listening to something. Usually it like, it feels really good for you to be doing it. And it feels like inspirational, empowering. And then active is like, probably it's more challenging. You have to manage your time better. You're doing the implementation of it. You're being consistent with it. Like you're, you're doing the thing that actually moves the ball forward. Mm -hmm. And just, um, being honest with yourself, kind of where you're at for that. And I'm saying this because like I said, I had to call myself out because from 2017 to 2020, I was so full tilt for consuming and building my business and everything that it actually became a detriment. And then in 2020, when the world was falling apart and I didn't know if I was going to have a business at all, I had the biggest year in my business up to to that point. It was, it literally grew exponentially Mm -hmm. when I took a step back and really focused solely on taking action on like what, like, and I got, I allowed myself to take time to get clarity on that and Mm -hmm. then focus on that. That just makes me think of why I wanted to call this podcast, the mindful self-care podcast is because I just think it's the way I want to encourage people to practice self-care is very much around being intentional and being able to notice, like you said, yeah, personal development is great and you were really enjoying learning so much, but it got to the point that it was too much. And so you had to be mindful of the content that you were consuming. And I think it was either end of 2020 or beginning of 2021 when I went through the same thing. All of a sudden I was just like, okay, I am so burnt out on anything virtual personal development. I was like, I don't want to listen to a single podcast. I don't want to listen to, I read a single book. Like I am so over it. And while I still probably read just as much, if not more now, or listen to podcasts more than I did before, they're all like fun. Like that has become a thing that is truly like, I I've been reading so much more like fantasy or fiction books. Um, yeah. And there's still some, some more personal development ish ones sprinkled in, but I'm, I'm, like you were saying, really intentional, really mindful about which ones are a good fit right now. And, and I think just that mindfulness it, and that intentionality goes through other areas of our life too. And, and I know like with finances, being intentional with, is this thing that you want to buy? Is it just a small dopamine hit or is it going to be something that's actually going to add value and joy to your life for the long term? and knowing the difference between, between those things, I think is, I think that's important. Yeah. And you know what, that's where one of the best things that you can do to really get a good idea ahead of time. Cause sometimes in the moment people be like, well, I don't know what mm-hmm. I love you to do is ask yourself, like, do you think in like a week or two weeks or six months from now, you're still gonna be happy with that purchase? Or do you think you'll regret it? Another thing you can also do is I love when I have clients look back on what purchases have they made in the past that now they are still so happy about And that can give you such a great indication of patterns of like, okay, so this spending, and I, I really like people to think like 
So it's six months after, and you're still happy with it. Like mm-hmm. that can be one of the best things to know, like these, because there's absolutely patterns in my life and you can exactly see, and they're all the things that really truly line up with my values. So that's mm-hmm. something that can like really take that and make it like extremely tangible for how you can actually tell ahead of time, if you're probably still going to be really happy or if that buyer's remorse, which is actually kind of more dangerous than people think because then we make up stories about ourselves afterwards about like, see, I knew it. I did it again. Like, oh, I'm not smart. I'm terrible with my money. I'm bad with math. And then those stories just go on repeat. So when you buy something that's out of alignment and you have buyer's remorse, it actually has such a massive, actually long lasting hit to your Mm -hmm. nervous system that then when there's something in the future, about like maybe investing in yourself or doing something that would really help you to change you're really worried about maybe your commitment or making a bad decision because of those things in the past that are basically like a dark cloud looming over you that make it so you don't trust yourself. They don't, you don't trust your own judgment with spending your money. So I think that that's really good for people to have that awareness of like, it might just seem like, Oh, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal, but those things add up and really affect how we invest in ourselves going forward and not just invest in ourselves, but how we take care of ourselves, how we allow ourselves to also enjoy our money later. That's really interesting. I know I, um, kind of the timing is a little ironic. Uh, the past month I kind of gave myself a challenge of not a no spending challenge because I don't believe in not spending any money on things that either you need to, or truly are going to add value to your life. But I, I kind of told myself like, well, I'm not going to spend any like unnecessary money. And to me, that kind of was like Amazon purchases where I'm like, Oh yeah, that's okay cool. It's only $10, but that stuff adds up. Or like, I really enjoy going to coffee shops and have somebody else making my coffee or my tea for me. Um, but I also know that that can be a, a, a area that adds up over the course of a month. And so thinking about, of, I really wanted to feel good about like, yeah, I'm spending money on groceries and, and of course necessities, but being intentional with kind of those other things. And my husband and I, we're kind of doing it together. And so it's not that we're never going to go to a restaurant um, for the, the next couple of months while we're kind of doing that. It's that we're going to be intentional about it. Uh, it's not the, oh, well, we just don't feel like cooking dinner tonight. It's the, okay, we want to intentionally spend time together. And we would like to do that by going to a certain restaurant because we enjoy that. Or like, I think tonight we're recording this on a Friday. And so I think tonight my husband and I talked about going and getting Chinese food because it's been sounding good to both of us. And we're going to enjoy Chinese food and watch a movie together. And so it's not the, oh, I'm spending money. And that's what the cool part is. It's the, the money we're spending is allowing us to have a certain type of experience that is meaningful and means something to us. And I mentioned, I love coffee shops for the past month. I haven't gone to a coffee shop by myself. I have gone to meet up with people so that I'm having again, that, that connection with someone. So it's not just a cup of coffee that I'm like, Oh, look, it's my little treat for myself. It's, 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 a facilitation to be able to connect with somebody important in my life. And I'm sure there'll be at some point in time where I'm like, you know what? I would like just to connect with myself and get myself a cup of coffee. And that'll be totally fine when that time comes. But it's also made me kind of think of, Hey, I can make a tea or a coffee at home. That is just as good of what I'm going to pay five or $6 at a coffee shop for 
and I don't have to, I just don't have to go anywhere. I'm not spending anything outside of our budget. That money can then go to other things that mean more to me. And it's making me kind of being a little bit more creative and open-minded about things that I already have and that I already like. And when, I don't know how long this not spending anything on that's not really necessary or has a really intentional purpose will will go. Um, but whenever we decide like, yeah, okay. Like we, we, we feel like just kind of going back to maybe other spending habits. I do really think that I'll, like you get to think about, cause I've done, I've done something like this in the past uh, multiple times, but whenever they end, it's like, okay, what were those things that I really did kind of miss being able to purchase or being able to experience? And those are the things I'm going to go back to. And so I, it's almost like I try to use it as a value reset of where do I actually want to spend my money on? And so that's one thing that I've, I've been doing um, on top of lots of other more tangible things that I know I learned a lot of them from you. Um, but that, that's, that's something that I know has helped me to kind of check in of am I spending in ways that I would like to be spending that make me feel good about them. And I'm someone who sometimes I just need a really hard and fast boundary of we're just not spending anything that we don't have to, to be able to reevaluate that. Yeah. And what I really got from that is just the word intentional. Mm-hmm. And of course, when people say that word, it makes me excited. That's my business is called intentionally wealthy coaching yep. for an exact reason. And really that's just what you're saying that, that you do there. And one thing that I just wanted to say was, so you were you were really talking about just being really intentional. And and then that was making me think about like, okay, how can we be more intentional? Because what's usually happening is we're defaulting to convenience. Like, Oh, you know, I don't want to cook tonight. I didn't take anything out and really, okay. So let's, let's reverse engineer that. I, Mm -hmm. I had someone once when I took a horse for training and I went to ride her and I was getting a lesson on her. And this is, I think one of the best pieces of literal life advice. She said, you need to set her up for success. And that is one of the things that has stuck with me all the time. And then I just change it to how do I set myself up for success? So let's talk about this. So we often default to convenience because Mm -hmm. of really two big things. One, we're not organized and two time management. So that's where you, you two have been communicating back and forth. Like, Ooh, you know what? Yeah. Chinese food has been sounding like good to me. Like you, you have that, that communication back and forth, which is amazing. And I really just think that the biggest things is like, like the organization and time management. So let's just use, for example, people who are like ordering skip the dishes and Uber eats all the time. And like, that's taking a pretty con- a big toll on their finances. Mm-hmm. So really let's, let's go back to one of the things I'll tell my clients to do is on your notes app, take some time and sit down and write like, what are the top? Su- Cause it's usually supper is like the hardest thing for most yeah. people in their life. So sit down and write like the, basically all the supper meals you have and have it in your phone. So when you are feeling uninspired, you had a crap day at work and you just like your low energy, instead of you trying to think because our brain doesn't want to feel exhausted, then all of a sudden you open something on your app or you drive somewhere and you, you just order something. Mm-hmm. You have this list that says supper meals. I have it on my phone and I can just scroll and go, okay, like we have this stuff already in the pantry and we've got this in the freezer because maybe you don't have what you want that's, you know, in, in the fridge as, as fresh produce. And that can make such a difference. So really, but just telling yourself, like, why is it you're defaulting to convenience so often, not just for food, but other areas of your life. And that you really just need like ask yourself first, like, how can you be organized ahead of time? I am huge. I, so I, I do have ADHD and I have a lot of clients that have ADHD. And the biggest thing is get it out of your head and have stuff. So you don't have to remember, you don't have to think about it. Like basically think about having templates for your life. I have them for my business. It's how it's more efficient. It's more profitable. 
you don't have to have a business to have templates. Just have in your notes section, all those different supper meals you have, and it can make it so much easier. And this is typically what I tell people who are in a relationship or have kids. You write out the list, read it to your partner. They will tell you some more things that you would have totally forgot or not even realized like, Oh, really? I like, I've literally forgotten that that was one of your, your favorite meals. And then your kids can also give ideas if you have children, but really just going like, why, why do like reverse engineer, whatever that struggle is. And it usually comes back to, okay, how can you set yourself up for success on usually two major things, organization, and time management. And for time management, the other thing I'll like clients to do is set reminders in your phone. So for example, the way I coach my clients is based on their pay periods for their money. So I will tell them, so let's say someone is paid bi-weekly. I always have them basically close out their pay period the day before they get paid. So they're going to like do a review of everything. I personally do this on the last day of the month and the 14th, because from my business, I get paid on the first and the 15th. A lot of people get paid bi-weekly. So in that Mm -hmm. case, because it's kind of changing for you, like, yes, it might be every other Thursday, but it can be easy to forget that is I'm like, literally put a recurring reminder in Google calendar to tell you to close out your pay period. I love money and it's still in my calendar to remind me because my life gets busy also. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself like on the time management side, where can you put up reminders, like literally a sticky note on your computer. So don't try and remember everything in your head. If you're trying to establish any new habits with your money, make it easy for yourself. Sticky notes, reminders, note section in your phone. So many ways that we can like set ourselves up for success instead of relying on our brain to remember something. That's like the most inefficient way. And it's really tough on our brains, which then is tough on our self-confidence, which then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That, and it also, it just, when you feel like you're not doing a good job at something and you're feeling frustrated, that's an energy leak within your, within yourself that then makes it harder to take any other action you want to because you're exhausted and nobody wants to do anything when you're super, super tired. I know I'm passion planner is my, um, I call it my life Bible. Um, because I, I do joke that if someone does not see me write down, whatever we are talking about, whatever I need to do or an appointment in the passion planner that I have, it does not exist to me. <laughs> and I, it is, it is like my entire life. It holds my schedule. It holds my to-do list. It has reminders, uh, all the time. And I think that that's a great tip of don't make yourself have to remember stuff. Use your resources to write it down. Sticky notes, your phone. We all have our phones with us all the time. Use the notes app, use the reminders app, use those things. Um, it doesn't have to be a planner you have to spend money on um, or a fancy notebook you have to spend money on. It can be something that you already have. I think that's that's really, really helpful. And I, I, I want people to pay attention to how they're spending their time. And I think when we start looking at problems that we have and being able to set aside time to be able to tackle those problems and make it easier, like setting aside time before your page period, um, next pay period comes up so you can close out your paycheck and check in with yourself. Like I have, um, I get paid bi-monthly, um, in my business as well. And so I literally, I have gone in my passion planner cause I had one for the entire year and on those weeks right after I've kind of gotten paid, I have like money check-in 
already written down because I know like that's going to be my time. And it looks a little different for me of what happens on like the first of the month versus like the, the 15th of the month because uh, there's just different things that are need, need to happen at those times, at least within my own finances. But it's a reminder to check in on the budget, make sure certain things have gotten paid, make sure like savings have, has happened. And it's our, I don't have to think about it because it literally stares me in the face on my to-do list every every other week, every every twice a month. So we've talked a lot about the mindset, the kind of deeper stuff that comes to your finances. As we start to wrap up, knowing that, y'all, you should just go listen to Mandy's podcast and go follow her Instagram because she's going to go a lot more in depth on a lot of these tangible things um, on there. And her podcast is spectacular. Um, truly, I think it was your it was your savings buckets episode, which I think is one of the first episodes that you ever released. It was like you was number four. It's a great one. I listened to that at a time where I was like, where's my money going? Why do I keep having to pull from my savings account to pay for these not consistent bills that pop up or just things that would come up? And when I listened to that episode and I implemented it, it truly changed how I, one, felt about my money and my stress levels with it dropped. Um, Of course, I had done a lot of money mindset stuff before that. Um, so I want to put that out there for people is all this kind of more emotional, mental, self-talk, nervous system regulation stuff we're talking about. I'd started that process before I started doing this tangible stuff without knowing it, I guess. It wasn't something I was doing necessarily intentionally at the time, but through this conversation, I was like, oh yeah, I guess I, I did start there. Interesting. So Mandy, as we start to wrap up, what are some tangible things once people have started to dive into the very uncomfortable self-talk, how they view money, what the emotions and feelings come up with that? What are some of the tangible things you would recommend people start to do with their finances? Absolutely. So first I'm going to tell you, when, when you mentioned earlier about sinking funds, which I, mm-hmm. I usually just refer to as savings buckets, first I'm going to say, what actually is that? What it is, is you're going to have literally a separate savings account. So you're not just going to have one anymore. You're going to have multiples of the different types of one-off expenses that are going to be coming up in your life or may mm-hmm. come up in your life. So things that are going to come up is you're probably going to want to travel. You're going to have like gifts throughout the year. Those are for sure going to happen. And then the ones that like and, and vehicle maintenance. So really like mm-hmm. you're going to need tires at some point, oil changes, that sort of thing. And then other ones can be, uh, I have clients have like a, a vet bill fund, um, you know, a clothing fund. If you have kids, you know, sports and activities. So all those different types and opening a separate one for each of those areas of your life, you name them all. So, and Yes, you're going to have, you know, multiple ones now when you look in your bank account, but Mm -hmm. it's actually going to give you more clarity. It is not going to be more difficult. You do it once. And the episode on my podcast, Intentionally Wealthy, I believe it is episode four. This completely dives into that strategy. But Mm -hmm. this is, I truly believe that the number one thing that is the most foundational piece of, of your finances is learning how to save money. And that starts with savings buckets. If you don't have savings buckets, you're always going to feel like, you know, you might make a little bit of progress on debt. You get, you know, two months paid down. You get really excited, two months of extra payments. Then that third month comes along and some expense comes up. And now you're not only not adding, you know, extra to pay down, you're actually adding back to it. So then you just feel like it's this roller coaster. So the first and foremost is identifying for your life in particular, which buckets do you think you would need? The other thing is, 
don't see this as an all or nothing black or white approach. You can start with one bucket. You can start Mm -hmm. with three and build your way up. I share on my Instagram. So this is something you can check me out at intentionally wealthy co co like co as in coaching. And on there, I really like to share like an actual visual of the exact buckets I have. And I know that I used to also share like, what did it used to look like? I think I used to have eight. I have like 16 now. You do not have to have 16. It's a pretty average number for my clients though. And I would share like, so it's been a journey. And I also really like to share how much I transferred each month and kind of year over year. So people can see that so they can see it's a journey. I do kind of double what I did previously. I did not start where I'm at now. So you can start with, maybe you might only start with the travel fund. And then, Mm -hmm. and the other thing is you might start with a smaller amount than what you truly need, but by you setting a little chunk aside, making it a habit, it's way easier than to bump up that amount. I will just say, I I really want to leave people with this one because it's the most foundational thing that like my clients' lives change so dramatically by implementing this process. And you can find so much more about it on my Instagram and the podcast because it's a ma- it's magical and it's a huge mm-hmm. way that I help my clients as like one of the very first things that we need to address. Because the other thing is, if you think about a lot of people who come to me, they've been paying their credit cards down and then it goes back up and like they, they've paid them off like three times in the past, but they can't keep them paid off. So this strategy also helps you to pay off your debt, but then also stay consumer debt free. And then Mm -hmm. truly build your wealth because you can't build wealth if you can't first manage what you have and build your savings. So this is like, I really want you to consider this, like in order for you to have a beautiful house that lasts somewhere where the, like I live in Saskatchewan, our wind is crazy here. You want, you want a solid house. So really just thinking of like your savings buckets is you having that solid foundation to build that house, to have a safe house that you can live in for a very long time. Yeah. And just for an example, I pulled up my um, spreadsheet that has all of the sinking funds and saving buckets that I have. And so I save from, we pay for our auto insurance every six months. So I have auto insurance. Our trash is pulled out of our account every three months. Um, We have pets. And so I save for pet expenses, um, health expenses, because you know, y'all like, I know you're Mandy, you're in Canada and I'm here in the United States. And so we have very different healthcare systems. Um, but I know for me, I pay for health insurance. That's a monthly expense that I have budgeted in, but there's always something that's maybe not covered by insurance or there's supplements that I want to buy that insurance is not going to go anywhere near or just co-pays. And so it's an expense that I don't always know what it's going to be, but I always feel a lot more comfortable knowing that I have so many hundreds of dollars already set aside if something happens. And if I don't use it, I don't use it. It's there for whenever it's needed. Um, I also save for gifts. Uh, We have a fixer upper house. And so expenses come along with that, not just regular house maintenance, but we want to be able to update things. So I save money for that. Uh, I save for our yearly car registration and then car maintenance. Those are my current savings buckets. In addition to my husband, I also have a long-term and a short-term savings account that we just put money into every single month. That's not necessarily for any, actually, I think we labeled it more like fun stuff and like more just serious long-term life things that, that cause stuff comes up. Uh, so that's what I have for my savings buckets and I, they, they will change. I know even in the past couple of years, like what I, what I put down is it, it's different. There was one point I was saving um, money to make sure I could get my hair done every, every few months. Um, so yeah, those are, that was a huge thing that I know I learned from you that I was like, 
Oh, wow. Cause yeah, it, it is this thing where you were like, okay, I, I have my budget. I have my groceries, my, my gas for my car, my rent or mortgage payment. Like you've got your very predictable monthly expenses and then, but something always happens. And then you're like, Oh crap, what do I do? Which means that you're pulling from the savings you've already worked on. You're having to put more stuff on a credit card and then you're just back in the same spot you were before. And um, I should also add my other savings bucket is both me and my husband are self-employed. And so taxes is the first thing that actually is the first transfer that happens every single paycheck is to the taxes savings account because we don't want the um, United States government coming after us. 100%. And and I have very much so the same buckets as you. I think the only Mm -hmm. two kind of that I would add besides like I have a horse one because I have horses and they're like one of the most expensive things you can have. I do have a a personal grooming one. And then one that I've just added just recently more so in the last year is also an entertainment bucket, but Mm -hmm. I have all the same ones. And so one thing I just want to say before we end is because you had touched on this and I'm like, Oh, I want to make sure people understand this. When we hear the word savings, we just hear that we're supposed to save. And it sounds so like Mm -hmm. you just put money in there, but you don't know what that's for. I really like clients understand there's two very different types of savings. There's short-term savings and then long-term. What we're referring to here when we talk about the savings buckets is short-term. So most of this stuff, you are going to use this money within the next 12 months, for example, Mm -hmm. maybe 24 if you've got a bigger trip you're planning in two years from now. But most of this stuff, like money is going to come up. And the other thing is savings buckets are not meant to grow infinitely. They're only going to hit a certain amount. And the other thing I like sharing this number is most people need on average between what I have seen is between like 6,000 and 15,000 in buckets kind of at all times, depending on their life. So that's something just to keep Mm -hmm. in mind. Then when I think of long-term savings, that's your, so your emergency fund falls under that. So that's another thing, how I coach so differently than lots of other financial experts. Other people will just have you just doing an emergency fund, but then you're pulling out of it all the time. And that sucker is never actually enough for what you need. So you need these to be very, very separate. So an emergency fund is on top of your buckets because your buckets like that, you're going to use that money. Uh, An emergency fund, like you really want that set aside. So loss of income, a health problem, you know, uh, a much bigger thing that, you know, your house floods, like something much, much bigger Mm -hmm. happens there or if you're self-employed and then you get reincessed and then all of a sudden you owe more in taxes, even though you had already paid. And like, that was, you know, a shocker sort of thing. Um, and then, so also on the long-term savings, that's where like you think about retirement. Now you're not going to save for retirement. You're going to invest for retirement, but really just understanding how there's not just one type of savings. There really is two types, the short term, and that money is only going to grow to a certain amount. Also in the long term is if you're saving for a house, for example, for most people, that's going to be over a two-year period, it might be four, it might be five plus years. And for your long-term savings, something like that, you know, a high-yield savings account, you can also do that for for your buckets as well. Um, But just really understanding just the differences there is a really important thing for just understanding how you're managing your money and how you're allocating it to different places. Yeah. I know the biggest difference that the savings buckets really helped me with was like, there'd be times where like, Oh, look, I have an extra, like so many hundreds of dollars at the end of this, of this month. Like I can afford to go pay for X, Y, and Z. Well, actually that money needed to go towards something else in the future. I just wasn't thinking about it. And so I know when I kind of like break down, okay, I have to save X number of dollars for taxes. All the savings buckets is going to require X number of dollars every single month. Um, I want to be able to also be putting 
into these other savings accounts um, for for the long term stuff, then that makes me feel that at that point, okay, I'm not only taking care of my monthly budget, but I've also made sure I've set myself up for success going forward. So then if there is anything that's left over, it does feel a lot more like, okay, I can confidently either put it towards debt or save more or choose to splurge on something. And at least for me, because I, I do, I like, I'm a planner. I like to have the I's dotted, the T's crossed and know all that stuff. It makes me feel really good. And there's not that guilt associated with, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this spending. And I, I also really appreciated how you said your, your savings buckets, your sinking fund, you are meant to spend that money. Cause I know as you were saying, there's so much, like we're told to save, you got to save, you got to save, you got to save but that is an account that you are meant to pull from. And so, yeah, it's cool to be able to see it grow, but I know like I'll tell my husband, Oh, we have so many thousands of dollars into our, our, our house bucket right now. Do we want to continue growing it? Or do we want to spend part of that on a project that we haven't done yet that we, that's on our list of things that we want to do, or do we want to let it grow a little bit more to do this other project that's going to cost more money, but you do have to look out of it as yes, you're saving, but it's a savings that you are meant to spend in the nearer future. And I think that that is, that's a really good way to be able to look at it is you are meant to pull from that account. Yes. Because a lot of times what happens when we have to use money from savings, it all of the mind drama happens. And then we start to be like, Oh, and now it's come down. So that's where when my clients first start implementing this process, a lot of times they won't want to touch that money and they'll have those feelings come up and then I'll walk them through. And I'm like, Hey, remember the whole entire point of this. And that's why it's labeled that is for guilt-free spending. If you like, so all my clients have a clothing account. If Mm -hmm. you want to go buy those clothes, like you're not supposed to be upset at yourself about it. So you can actually enjoy your money. So that's why I really like to tell clients, like it's only going to ever get to a certain amount. And then it's going to kind of like, it's going to go up and down. That's the Mm -hmm. entire purpose of it. So then you can really enjoy it and you don't have to get upset at yourself. That's where your other, your other savings, those are the ones we really don't want to be touching as much that we really do want to see growing more. But these ones, these are like lifestyle buckets to even Mm -hmm. everything out. And just one thing that you had said earlier, where you're like, you know, when you're really taking into account your fixed expenses, but if we're not doing, if we're not taking into account the savings buckets ones, what's happening is if you look at your checking account, and then you, you're like, well, no, all my bills are paid. There's extra money in there. I can spend it. That's actually not necessarily true because you're not mm-hmm. prepared for what's coming up in the pipeline three, six, and 12 months from now. And we actually need to be doing that now. Savings buckets is what makes it so you truly know how much extra you can spend at the end of the month. The other thing is it reduces what I call accidental overspending. When maybe you didn't even actually put it on debt. It wasn't building up on your credit card. Like you spent it and it was came out of your checking account and all was good but it was accidental overspending because you didn't realize how much of that maybe needed to go to the savings buckets versus was like actually true free spending. So that's where it can really help you to understand like how much money do you actually have left at the end of your pay period to put towards like kind of random stuff that comes up that you may want to buy. It reminds me, this is more for those business people out there, but profit first by Oh my gosh. I can't remember like the, the author. Witch? Yes. Thank you. Uh, I was just, I, when I read that book a few years ago, when I was deep into my personal development one reading phase and I wanted to read everything and it, it's a great book with great concepts for anyone that owns a business or runs the finances of a business. You should read it. If you haven't already highly recommend it, but it's the idea of you pay yourself first. You're pay, as a business owner, you're making sure that you're, you're paid before anything else. And I just, 
the concept that he talks about, he it's the toothpaste concept of if you have a tube of toothpaste, you will try to squish out every little bit that you possibly can. But when you get a new tube, you're like, yeah, here we go. Let's use all the toothpaste. And it's kind of that idea of as humans, especially in this day and age where all it takes is to pull up an app on your phone, log in, and you see either how much you already have on your credit card or you see how much money is in your bank account. That's how we make decisions. And I think when I read that book, that was the first time that I was like, that is how I make financial decisions on whether or not I can afford to go out to eat. And I was, I think, just out of college at the time. So my income wasn't wasn't all that high right away. And I would look at him and be like, okay, yeah, like I paid these bills. I've still got so much left. Like, yeah, okay. I could go out to eat with friends today. Like that works, but I wasn't thinking about the future. And so this, I think the system, it does really allow you to, to know that you're not only taking care of for right now, but you are for the future as well. And it, it made a really big difference. So if y'all listening have not gotten the message of you should go listen to Mandy's podcast and, and follow her on Instagram. Please do. I don't know how else to say, like, do I need to beg all of you? It's very, very helpful information that then allows you to have more financial freedom in a way that you have less stress. You feel you're not being burdened by your finances. And then you can spend money in a way that makes you feel good, which is self-care at its finest. Oh, I, you know what? I have nothing else to say. You just completely <laughs> covered it. That just put a bow on it 100%. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you, Mandy, for coming and talking on the podcast. Thank you for all the amazing content that you put out. So I know you've mentioned your Instagram and your podcast already, but for anyone that may have missed it, can you let people know where they can find you on the internet? Absolutely. So I'm most active on Instagram at intentionally wealthy co co. And then also my podcast is intentionally wealthy. And you can also look back to my podcast episodes on the show notes, you, you know, clicking the, on them right on the, the app. And you can see, I've got a download on there that will, it has a kind of like a more basic budget, but the thing about this one that's different about it is it has the listed spots basically for you to start taking into account those savings buckets and just kind of prompt you to think about things you normally wouldn't have included. So that can be something great. If you want to download that, that would just be, um, in my, my note section. And I would just love if you just take action, like actually take action on one thing you, you learned here to just get the ball rolling, that it wasn't just inspirational. And if you want to send me a message and let me know, like, what was your favorite takeaway? I always love hearing that of like what resonated with you the most. If you want to send me a message on Instagram, I would, I would love to hear that. Cause it's uh, it's really helpful for me to know, like what content is really helping people the most. Yeah. So those will also be in the show notes. So scroll down, swipe up whatever app you're using on wherever the show notes are. Go follow Mandy, go listen to her podcast and reach out. Thank you, Mandy, for coming on and sharing all this great information. I'm so, so happy that we had a chance to chat. And I hope that everyone listening follows your advice and takes action right away. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Self-Care Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can also send this episode to a friend who you think would benefit from the information. It's a great way to help us grow and help us reach more people. If you want to connect with other like-minded, self-care-focused individuals, you can follow us on Instagram at The Mindful Self-Care, or you can join the Mindful Self-Care Society. 
It's a great place to connect with others, gain some additional resources, and really help make sure that self-care is a focus in your life so you can always feel your best. Thank you again for listening. I can't wait to be back in your ears soon.